welcome back to You Tuned In. I hope you've had a week that is full of progress and authenticity, but I also hope that you've been kind to yourself as you try to apply the concepts that you identify on your own path towards freedom through truth. As we start this week off, I want to take a look at things from a bit more practical vantage as we talk about how important it is to have a plan. So, as with any endeavor to combat a negative trait or habit or activity that occurs from our nature, discipline is going to be a pillar of success, a key to success. If you're going to overcome something that you do subconsciously or inherently, it's not going to be by accident. You're not going to fall into that. It's going to be by consistent decision to do so. So I'm I'm running on pretty little sleep as I record this episode tonight from the past couple of nights. I just got back from a road trip to Dallas and I've spent this day flooded with so many emotions about my life, about my son's life and about my spouse that I'm separated from and uh I just I've just been filled with a ton of different emotions. But I decided that if I was going to do this podcast, that I wanted to be consistent. So I set days to record episodes of Sunday night and Thursday night because I wanted to be consistent. And a big part of me wanted to put my kid to bed tonight and then settle nice and warmly into a a pity party (laughs) where I begin to, to start making excuses for not having a good enough sleep schedule or for having too much screen time or just overall being frustrated at the cards that I've been dealt. Um, And I figured that I could just record the episode tomorrow because it's not like there's anybody, you know, waiting on this specific episode or waiting, you know, people are standing by, like outside of Best Buy, like, oh, the episode didn't come out this morning. So I'm like, yeah, I figure it's understandable due to the circumstances. But then I realized that that would be strengthening a stronghold that I am trying to tear down in my life if I did that. It would be bargaining with myself in the area of discipline because I didn't feel like I should be accountable for my own choices. Discipline and sometimes the lack thereof has been a stronghold in my life. And there's been times where I've done it really well, where I've been really disciplined. I've been really dedicated to things. Um, But when I'm not focused on it, it's one of those areas where I lack and I find myself being uh, untruthful because I point at all these other things because of my lack. I point at people, I point at circumstances, I point at a lot of things because of the lack on my own part to be accountable for my own choices. It's kind of like we talked in the other episode, as long as other people have control over what I do, as long as I am blaming someone or something else for why I am doing or not doing specific things, then I will always be a prisoner. I'll always be a prisoner to somebody else's choices because I haven't looked internally enough to say, yeah, this is kind of just because of me. Yes, all these things may be true, all these things may have happened, but the way that I react to them and the way that I interact with them and the shortcomings and failures on my side, that's because of me. 
and I feel like in order to really do this successfully, in order to in order to have discipline, as we think about this in the context of building a plan as we go forward and trying to be practical, is you have to know your triggers. You have to know what things that are external and around you will cause you to behave in such a way that is not going to serve you well. I had a friend, I I say had a friend, I guess I still have the friend, we don't communicate very much, but I have this friend and (laughs) this friend is, and I'm not, you don't know him, I mean, you don't know his name, so I'm not trying to badmouth or talk about anybody, but this friend is kind of like a pathological liar. And like I said, I'm not a therapist, so I'm not even sure if if I'm saying pathological liar correctly, but from every time that I've seen it, they do a lot about what this guy does. And it is frustrating to the people that he's around because they find him lying about things that he doesn't have to lie about. They find that he makes up these parts of, of stories that are otherwise still amazing, even if he just tells the truth. Even if he just tells the truth about him, they're still, they're still noteworthy. But he almost can't help himself. When I was a younger man, uh, I look back at it now and realize, hey, this really wasn't very cool. But when I was a younger man, I used to kind of mess with that a little bit and see how far he would take it. I knew that one of his triggers was one-upping people. So I would come by with with some bit of news, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, and I'd be like, I would just share it with him to see what he would tell me back, and without fail, he would pepper pepper off some uh, scenario that was similar to mine, but just much 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 better. And it was almost a source of entertainment for me. I look back now and I realize, man, that guy is in a spot, and I probably should have been messing with him. He needed help, but it was just so consistent. And something that I was saying, something that I was doing in my presence triggered him to resorting to making up something, fabricating a story, embellishing a story that already existed. And while his was very evident and almost automatic, I think we all have them. We all have triggers that cause us to interact with uh, this portion of ourselves that we really are trying to eliminate. When I say know your triggers, know know each specific one and start trying to build a plan from that. When people talk about triggers and they're talking about traumas and different things that have transpired in their lives or if you bring up this specific scenario, if you bring up this specific topic, it's going to be a trigger for me. And we've kind of taken that to the nth degree. We've taken that to an extreme to where not only are you supposed to know your own triggers, but I'm supposed to know your trigger. And I'm also supposed to change drastically whenever you've told me, hey, that's a trigger for me. I mean, if you walk around looking at everybody, that's a trigger, you're triggering me, you're triggering me, that triggers me. You walk around doing that, uh, you're gonna find yourself uh, needing what they call that safe space that we keep hearing about so much. You're gonna, you, need, you need to be in a white room just sitting there with nobody that can offend you or hurt you or affect you because you don't have the ability to self-regulate. To know your triggers is really a way to stop trying to force the world around you to interact with you on your terms. We've all heard that phrase, now the world doesn't revolve around you. 
And while we've heard that phrase and we say it to people that we feel like are a bit narcissistic or or are a bit spoiled in the way that they handle other things with other people, we all have this expectation to some extent that the world around us needs to interact with us on our terms. When in reality, we just need to have a plan for the ebbs and flows of the interaction of the world around us and what triggers us to resort to behaviors that we want to break. I, sometimes I'm, uh, I see, uh, what no matter which social media site I'm on, I'll see um, different memes and things that are kind of funny. But one of the ones that's consistent is, here's your sign not to text your ex. <laughs> Don't text your ex. And I, I love that it's so universal. And it makes people laugh, but it, it, the reason it makes people laugh is because it's so relatable. Something happens, maybe it's late night and you're in your fields and you're reminiscing or whatever it may be. And you, you are driven to try to text this ex. And while we're talking about like a person in a, in a romantic relationship, I think text your ex can be um, just kind of shorthand for really anything in your life that you have been somewhat delivered from. I feel like so many times we beg God to free us from circumstances or chains that we have found ourselves in or more likely put ourselves in. And then after he does, we don't know our triggers or we don't have a plan. And then something happens externally and we run right back into the thing that we were praying to be free from. And whether we want to admit it or not, this is because we don't feel like that we should be held accountable for our own choices. Like, oh, Mike, that's a leap. What are you talking about? Well, we would much rather blame a condition or a state of being that has forced us to interact in a way that isn't true to our character or the person that we want to be. We would much rather blame something or point at something. All right. And you know, I like hypotheticals. Let's let's talk about does does hanging out with your best friend trigger you? And, and when I say best friend, again, you can't see me, but I'm putting that in air quotes. Does hanging out with your best friend trigger you? Sometimes, and I see this a lot more, and I'm not trying to, to stereotype, but I see this a lot more around women, but guys do it a lot too. But we'll have these friends that are supposed to be like our best friend. You're our best friend. But in reality, so much about that person makes you behave or interact with the world around you in a way that you're not proud of but yet you keep hanging around this person without any plan in place. And this could be for a myriad of different reasons. This could be because the person that you're hanging out with um, really doesn't have your best interest at heart. Maybe they take subtle blows. Maybe they're, maybe they're passive aggressive or maybe they uh, put you down, whatever it may be. But you keep hanging out with this person. You guys have this toxic type of relationship. And when you do that, it causes you to be inauthentic. It causes you to try to compete with them or it causes you to try to um, embellish your story to make it match their story or interact with the opposite sex in a way that exudes uh, maybe a confidence that you don't have in a certain area. By the time you, you're, you've ended your, your venture with them that night, that friend date, whatever it may be, you're exhausted. <laughs> you're not energized by their presence. You're exhausted by their presence. And it's because you didn't have a plan in place. 
I'm not saying get rid of that friend, throw them in the trash. I know what I would do. I know that I would spend less time with somebody that made me feel a certain type of way, but, but let's go deeper. Maybe you're the problem. Maybe hanging out with your quote unquote best friend triggers you because your quote unquote best friend uh, really does hold or exemplify a lot of the characteristics that you wish you had. Is she beautiful? Is she effortlessly confident? Does she just seem like that she talks to people and they just kind of do what they want her to do, what she wants them to do? Does she have a way of just kind of getting what she wants? You might be attributing all these things to her as demonizing this person in your own mind and by and by without knowing it, you're competing with her. Or him, you're competing with her or him. And you've spent all your time letting this concept or this figure of this person that you've built in your mind live rent-free in your head. And when you should be just hanging out and enjoying the time, enjoying the space, you're busy trying to be something that you're not. Or you're busy in your head saying snarky or snide remarks at everything this person does. And the moment you're out of earshot or you're, you're with another friend that seems to share the same perception that you have of this person so you guys can talk about just how out of touch or ridiculous this person is narcissistic this person is self-centered this person is when in reality that person may be somewhere eating a sandwich but it's you and your other friend that are still talking about this person when they're nowhere around that's a trigger for you so if you don't want to stop hanging out with the person maybe the next time you guys are getting ready to go why don't you stop yourself and this, is, this may sound super cheesy. This may sound super just like cliche, but why don't you stop yourself and grab you some post-it notes or something and sit down and write at your desk, write some things on those post-it notes that you're really, really confident about within yourself. Things that ground you. I really like the way that I listen to other people. I really like the way that whenever I am around people and I feel like that somebody's being left out, that I have a way of drawing that person into what the group is doing. I really like my eyes. That may sound shallow, but again, being humble is not about self-deprecation or, or being mean to yourself. That's false humility. So that might sound shallow, but if you like your eyes, write that on the piece of paper. I really like my eyes. I think I have a nice smile. And then try to focus on those things before you go engage in your friend date. And then when you catch yourself feeling one of those feelings of irritation or frustration at this person just simply existing or being themselves in a manner that you feel like the world around them is interacting in an unfair way towards you or people that don't possess the same uh, suite of qualities that that person possesses. In that moment where you might be triggered, you just wrote all those things down. Maybe think about one of those. I really like my smile. And then use it. Smile in that moment. That's what a plan is. You start making plans about things. Does sharing a hobby with your friend or your significant other that's much better than you at that particular hobby, does it trigger you? And if it does, what's your plan? What plan do you have in place? I got some friends that are, most of my friends are pretty amazing. Actually, now I think about it. Most of my friends are pretty amazing at something. And I've always had this specific insecurity where I feel like that there's a lot of things that I'm middle of the road at. But there's not anything that I'm just like the best at. 
I love music. I love to play music. And I'd go and I'd play with my buddy Jai. And he, to me, was just transcendent. He could just play anything he wanted to. And I would always think to myself, I really like music, but I'll never be as good as that. And so I would kind of put the guitar down for a while. That's not really what I wanted to do, but that's what I would do because of that trigger. What plan do you have in place for that? Does having too much free time trigger you? You know, people say idle hands are the devil's workshop. And really what they mean is that if you don't have something to occupy your mind with, you're inevitably going to resort to doing something or some sort of activity that doesn't serve you. That it builds a stronghold in your mind or in your life of things that you really don't want to be there. You've, you've started scrolling too much again or you've started spending hours upon hours binge watching the same show and, and not furthering your life in any way. Does seeing happy lives on Instagram trigger you? Does visiting your friend's house when they have way nicer things than you trigger you? People don't, I love that movie Keeping Up With The Joneses because people don't actually notice when they do that, when they're that inauthentic. People don't notice whenever they've just been hanging out with somebody and that person just bought uh, a brand new Audi, got a brand new A8, and they're just like, man, that's amazing. If you're on a ramen budget, stop looking up A8s and how you're going to pick you up one. Like, that should not be what your next pieces of focus should be. It's not even about their car. It's about the fact that they have one over there and you are associated with them and you want to be on that same level. Nobody likes to feel like they're out of levels, that they're out of sync. And what plan do you put in place? You going over your rich friend's house? <laughs> rich friend got a lot of nice stuff? Before you even get in your own car, start talking about to yourself the things that you're thankful about, about your situation. I'm really, really glad to drive this Toyota Tacoma. Toyotas, they last so long. They last so long. Even if I don't start making good enough money in the next five years to buy an Audi, I'll know that my Toyota is holding some pretty good value. That's a true statement. I like that. That's cool. Have a conversation with yourself. When you get over to Bill's house or when you get over to Sharon's house, gonna be some nice stuff over there she got a new pampered chef whatever it's gonna be some nice stuff i hope that i hope that she is enjoying those things and i look forward to enjoying those things with her while i'm at her house but i'm super super grateful for the things that i have i bet you his audi a8 gets him to the same places that my toyota tacoma gets me all kinds of triggers but knowing your trigger and then setting up a plan, sticking it in place so that whenever the time comes where that thing or the world around me inevitably interacts with me in an unfavorable way, I'm not a victim. I'm not subject to all these things happening and then me bargaining and not having discipline in the things that I said I was going to do, the person I said I was going to be because something knocked me off my zone. I digress. But as we go forward into the week, let's, let's put a plan in place for some of the things that we're starting to see about ourselves. Everyone likes to quote Mike Tyson. 
You know, when he says Every, everybody's got a plan till they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> and seriously, every plan is only as good as your desire to execute. I'm glad you tuned in. And hopefully you know yourself well enough to decide if and when you need to tune back out. Have a great week.